This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by Malcare. You can find Malcare at malcare.com. It's the only WordPress security plugin with instant WordPress malware removal. Our auto clean feature cleans your website without waiting hours or days. It just gets rid of it automatically. It's magical. It's auto magic. <laughs> malcare.com. I don't know anyone who enjoys having to worry about getting your website hacked, getting your client's website hacked, getting that website you built for a nonprofit as a friendly uh, signal during this whole COVID time and all of a sudden their website's hacked and you're like, oh God, I, I just did that work for free. Now I don't. Now I have to go in and fix this too. I don't have the time or the wherewithal to figure this stuff out. Don't worry. Malcare will do that for you for 99 bucks a year for one site. It'll automatically clean that stuff out. It does automatic daily malware scanning. It does smart website firewall protection, login protection, you know, it's all the stuff you don't want to deal with in the security realm of a WordPress site. Check them out. Malcare.com. Malcare.com. Thanks for supporting the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Matt Report podcast. Thanks for tuning in nearly every week and staying connected to, well, mattreport.com slash subscribe. And hey, look, if you have a moment, please drop us a five-star review on iTunes. It's the lifeblood of the show. Well, right next to all of you fantastic listeners that send me tweets and DMs. Look, I'm always looking for the next great story, so keep them coming. I love talking to that resilient business builder, and today's guest fits that persona, well, perfectly. I mean, he's running BuildUpBookings.com. It's a vacation rental marketing and SEO agency amidst a global pandemic. Not only is he figuring out how to survive in this new normal, but he brought on two new team members at the top of 2020 and just made an acquisition of a productized service called guesthook.com. It's a service that focuses on creating copywriting for the vacation rental industry. So we're going to talk about what it's like to be a small boutique agency acquiring another business in this space with the world on lockdown, if you can believe it. His name is Conrad O'Connell. He's been on the show before, and I'm excited to have him back to talk about this new chapter. Let's get into the show. I first started doing SEO. Really, my first job out of college was actually at a small marketing agency. At the time, we worked with any sort of client. But over the years, I have found the specialty in uh, travel and more specifically in accommodations slash like, you know, think of hotels, resorts, vacation rentals are, are a lot of our clients. And I know in the past, we've chatted about SEO and WordPress kind of being a common uh, tool, you know, WordPress being the CMS that we're using on a lot of our client sites. Yeah, so this is, I guess, year probably seven of, uh, of my supposedly my marketing career. And really, <laughs> SEO is an important piece, I think, that whole time. A lot of clients come to us needing help with that. Certainly, we offer other things as well. But that has always been what I've been interested in and therefore focused on for the past, you know, half decade plus. I'm interested to get into talking about how this whole guess hook acquisition came about. But curious, and maybe this is a part of it, like what is this world like for you in in a, a COVID economy, if you yeah. will, right? I mean, people, less travel, less bookings. I'm sure you're looking at it like, am I burning this whole thing down now or later? <laughs> like give, give us the insight to that. Yeah. I mean, if, if we did this, uh, if we had this conversation back in the spring, I suppose that would sound a lot more uh, melancholy <laughs> or upset. No, I mean, the spring was brutal for a lot of our clients. I can't lie. Certainly when things were locked down, I think that you know, there was a lot of local restrictions put in place for a lot of clients we work with, where in some cases, they couldn't even rent to anyone, you know, period, except for maybe I think there was exceptions carved out in some 
destinations that we work in for like healthcare workers actually traveling traveling to that destination they could stay in a vacation rental obviously that's not a really the target market here if you will right it's mostly leisure travel a lot of our clients are in your typical you know beach or mountain getaway type destinations so yeah the spring was very hard for a lot of our clients especially when it came to restrictions i think a lot of those restrictions had very logical uh reasons behind them i'm certainly not complaining but it's just a you know the matter of how how things played out many of our clients we had a client actually that had a hundred thousand dollars in canceled reservations every day for eight straight days so they when all of a sudden done they had a million dollars in canceled revenue that they weren't sure was going to come back and almost the health of their business was at risk in a pretty significant way because of all the lost revenue and you know obviously they still have other expenses and people that they're paying and stuff like that so covid early in the spring was not kind to the vacational industry. I think as lockdown started to lift, it was actually kind of this this seesaw effect where things went from very, you know, empty and canceled and very perhaps pessimistic thoughts to the other way, where when people did, you know, start to travel again, they favored some of the clients that we work with, the destinations that they have, where they wanted to travel and stay, for example, in a secluded remote cabin where they weren't around anyone else. So there were some destinations that actually have had their best year ever, again, yo-yoing from a horrible year now to their best year ever, partially because these restrictions. And I think when all is said and done, the vacation rental kind of inventory in, in particular will end up having a good year in most destinations. Now there's exceptions, Hawaii being an obvious example, people don't really want to fly there, but for your, you know, travel to drive to type destinations, it w- will end up being a good year because of that type of accommodation is now favored over a hotel resort or getting on an airplane. I know we, we're still like looking at the light at the end of the tunnel and going into the holiday season, of course, is all the headlines of how much the virus is increasing, et cetera, et cetera. But is it fair to say that even for your clients, those that could stick through it, the ones that weren't getting financially devastated by this lockdown, was there some new opportunities unearthed throughout all this to rejigger their brand and really hunker down on on marketing and, and keyword focus? And I guess, was there anyone coming out of this going, okay, uh, once we get to the other side, even if it's somewhere in the middle, at least we, we can get hyper-focus on something else and cut all the fat? I think some people have that point of view, um, in particular, when it comes to like promoting in markets that they might not have focused on previously. We work with kind of a golf resort in North Carolina. And, you know, they had their drive to market that they'd always focused on over the years. And then they found that drive to market expanded itself into states where the lockdowns were more severe, they were willing to come and travel into North Carolina. So they were able to, we were able to target more on the Google ad side, to be honest, some of our campaigns into those different markets and say, okay, we're willing to spend more in the these areas of Virginia that typically haven't driven much traffic because of because of the fact that people are willing to drive down to this resort because it's slightly less restrictions, the golf resort being a pretty socially distant, uh, distance, I guess, friendly vacation, you are far spread out rather on a golf course. So things like that, I think, were learnings that probably we can hopefully take with us in the future. Yeah. In other cases, I think it's just, I think there's demand that will eventually go away to be, to be candid. So it's like, Another client that we work with has seen a huge influx of travelers coming from Atlanta because of what I mentioned a few minutes ago, where they're not able to fly, they're not able to go anywhere else. So they're driving from this market. And that demand is very strong right now, like off the charts strong. But I also think that in the future, maybe that would actually go away. So their business actually now is better than it has been in the past. And then it might return to a more normal level at some point in the future. Yeah. So, I mean, like a perfect example would be you know, me and my family, we normally go to uh, Florida at the end of at the end of the summer, like into the Labor Day weekend. Of course, we didn't go this year. We didn't fly down, but we did yeah. 
just my immediate my wife and kids we went up to new hampshire right it was just something mm. it was like okay so since we're not flying we're driving <laughs> you know <laughs> and we're and we're going to drive somewhere regional and it's wh- yeah. while it was still a four or five hour drive it's, it's these types of things that maybe you're seeing an increase in because now hey the road trip is back yeah exactly even uh, my wife and i we took a road trip same thing immediate family type type trip six hours seven hours over to this destination that i'm talking about blue ridge georgia had a great time just stayed in the cabin and just getting out of the house i think is a something that we all want to do lockdowns or no lockdowns even just being in a different environment i think is a good thing even if especially if you can do it in a safe way which i think there's there's ways to tackle that there's ways to approach that where you're not necessarily exposing yourself or other people to any sort of virus risk or anything like that so yeah that demand that's what saved the the season for a lot of these clients is exactly what you described you know, that that drive to sort of get away type thing with the media family was, has been good for a lot of folks. Whenever I think of SEO, I always like envision the early 90s, late 80s, stockroom floor, right? The traders running everywhere, ticker tapes, paper flying everywhere. Like, oh, it's all this hysteria, right? Because you're tracking keywords and you're watching trends and there's like a lot of commotion. Was it like that sort of same feeling when COVID hit, like keywords dropping, other keywords rising from like, from a data point of view that you were like, wow, this is... There's a little bit of chaos here, but I'm thriving in this. I like absorbing all this information. Yeah, for for sure. So it's funny because like the rankings will be flat. We'd look at rank reports and it would say like, here, you know, client A, you still rank in this position for this keyword, which you've ranked, you know, pretty similar, maybe a spot above, a spot below for years now. Oh, but the volume is down 90%, right? Like I've never seen anything (laughs) like that. Right. We, uh, some of the clients we work with are in like larger ski markets out in the West Coast. So we have a client that's in a Colorado ski market. And the demand just literally evaporated. Like, I don't want to say it just went down. I mean, it literally went from like hundreds, if not thousands of searches a day for lodging vacation rental terms to zero, like 10 overnight. And the people that were searching were actually looking for like, oh, am I still allowed to, you know, travel to this, to this destination (laughs) or not? And so, yeah, we had, we had some extreme examples of not so much the ranking shifting, but rather the the search demand just massively, massively going down in some markets. Again, I'll mention Hawaii as another example. And then the flip side of it, right, where these, these, we have a hiking guide that we did for a client, which is something that people might search, places to go hiking near Boston, right, or something like that. These pages were getting a few hundred visitors in the pre-COVID world, and then all of a sudden, the demand is just off the charts. So it ranked in the same spot, right? So our rank tracker would say, oh, you ranked number two for you know, places to hike near destination. And then the traffic to that page went up four or five, 600% year over year yeah. uh, because of all these search trends changing. So yeah, that was an immediate thing that we could tell pretty quickly was that people were searching for, of course, COVID related information. They were also searching for things like, you know, are restaurants open in this, in this destination? Can I go to the beach at some point here on the East Coast? Many of the beaches were actually locked down and you couldn't go. So we created a lot of pages and a lot of content around that for our clients that were sticking with us through this time. And we ended up getting tons of traffic and, you know, some conversions from creating some of that very timely, uh, like informational content for sure. Do you think that there's going to be, and maybe you're already seeing it and maybe this just the stuff doesn't work like this, but I just know like the amount of work it takes to get high value pages ranked, you know, at the top spots of Google, the effort that it takes, you know, the tremendous mm-hmm. amount of links and and just work and content and, and thought process. Does a lot of this stuff sort of break apart uh, through all this? And will will people just return to their rankings in, in the future when everything sort of kicks back in for your industry? Or is that now there new work to be done to reclaim mm-hmm. those spots? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I think some people weren't very nimble, to be honest with you. We saw some of our competitors and some client destinations that I know are good marketers. You know, I got inside information from other people in the industry that they like laid off their agency, which I get it. I mean, you have to protect your own business, right? You can't right. keep paying an SEO agency when your bookings are down 90% for sure. But yeah, some people just sat in their hands and didn't do anything. I think they missed out on a lot of traffic. But, you know, to, to, to be fair, I do understand why they did that in some cases. But then, yeah, yeah when are things going to return to normal? Will some of these search trends stay? I think so. I think it's so case by case, though. Like we even saw that where one piece of content in one market would work well, that same sort of topic, you know, in another market or destination for us didn't work well. So it's hard to predict, to be honest. I'm, I've been wrong a lot this year. So it's hard <laughs> for me to, it's hard for me to uh, rub a crystal ball when I've proven time and yeah. time again this year that I think I'm wrong. Like a, a, good, a good example of that kind of an adjacent industry, not one that I've spent much time in, is I'm like, no one's ever going to get out on a cruise ship again. Like after COVID, right. like the, the fear, the, the concern um, of virus transmission on cruise is going to be so high that no one's ever going to do it. Then I started yeah. reading articles on Skiff, which is one of my favorite news, news sites to read about travel, that like a lot of these uh, cruises that they were forced to cancel, it was like high 80, 90% of people that had these reservations were like, no problem, just move my reservation to next year. And I'd be like, no way, like they're going to ask for a refund, like they're going to be upset, they're going to never want to get back on a cruise ship again. And mo- most of those cruise goers, cruisers, I don't, I don't know the right term for it. You know, <laughs> what are they called? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. But they were like, yeah, they were like, no problem. We understand. We'll, we'll go again next year or give us a site credit or like company coins and we'll come back. And when it's safe, we'll go again. It's things like that shocked me, you know. So that's what I mean by my predictions haven't always turned out to be true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've only been on a, cru- on a cruise once in my life and I, I just can't think that these cruises are great for the environment. <laughs> I mean, I'm just look- yeah. I mean, just the sheer size of a boat, the fuel and the food that is consumed and thrown away is astonishing to me. And yeah. I don't think I could ever go back after I saw it. I was literally like, what, what, what are we doing with all this food alone? <laughs> right. That was just, yeah. It blows my mind. Yeah. Not my area of expertise, but I'd have to agree hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, wow. So here you are amidst the pandemic, uh, amidst uncertainty with your customers. I mean, you you were probably very busy, but a scary busy. And all of a sudden, this guest hook acquisition comes along. How did how did it come about? And how did you sort of break that ice? Or was it just this cordial thing between colleagues? Yeah, yeah. So I guess the the relationship started some time ago. I've actually ordered from Guest Hook for our clients before. So the co- the original co-founders of the company, Jessica Bozell and Andy McNulty, they both, I've met them at many conferences. And, you know, I want to say we became at least friendly for sure, just dealing with perhaps horror stories of certain clients or certain projects being tough or even sending referrals back and forth. So there was even talks some time ago about some sort of partnership formalizing it and so on. I think how it started was just an email from, I think, Andy originally, although Jessica was certain, certainly part of that process, they co-founded Guest Hook. I think back in 2015 was when they started the company. And they've always had this niche that I, I was always interested in, which was this uh, copywriting and particularly um, writing descriptions for um, these vacation rental you know, type clients that we've been talking about so far today. So they reached out and they let me know what was going on, which was that you know, they wanted to, the business, uh, COVID wasn't kind to their business, makes a lot of sense why that's the case. I and mean, they were looking to potentially, you know, move on and shift away from it. And would I be interested in acquiring it? Just started with that very informally, them reaching out with an email and then following it up with a call, a Zoom call to go over what they were sort of interested in. So that was the, the, the start of it. And I'm very used to like hearing 
either other podcasts and having other people on on my show talk about valuations. And mm. of course, everyone's always excited when it's like a SaaS business, recurring revenue, plugins for WordPress that have, you know, whatever, 100,000 active installs, and there's ways to monetize it through the dashboard of WordPress. Right. When they came knocking, did you already have the, the sort of prowess to evaluate a company like this? Or did you turn to mm. somebody? I'm curious how you disseminated all of that. Yeah, it's funny because I think I've I've read and I um, I'm always interested in those topics as well, but I've never done it. So I was very green behind the ears. Never really bought anything other than some small uh, sites that really had minimal revenue. I was buying them more for the domain names. So and I've also bought some domain names as well. But that's really just you know <laughs> can we agree on the price? There's really not much calculation right, going yeah. on there, right? Yeah. So it was difficult. I think a lot of it was just based on you know, personal feel or preference of what I think the business could grow back to. Obviously, there was a period of expansion early on in the company's history. They were very open and, you know, honest with their books and their numbers and where they got to revenue-wise. And then, of course, they were honest and open about where, where things had fallen, unfortunately. So it was, it was kind of tough to come up with a number, to be honest with you, because I don't think you could take the last 12 months, you know, come up to that number, multiply it by, you know, I know it's common to multiply something by three and then say, okay, well, here's the you know, the yearly profit, let's multiply that by sure. three, it's worth X. Because if we look at it six months prior, the number would be much lower. If we look at it the six months before that, it would have been significantly higher. So that made it tough. I think that was probably the, the reason why it maybe took a little bit longer to sort of come up with a value. They talked to other companies, which in fact, I encourage them to do. I was very candid with them. I haven't done this before. Here's a number I think yeah. is fair based on everything that we chatted about. But you know, check me, like go, you know, go, go, like I said, we'd become friendly. So I even told them at one point, if they could get a better offer, a significantly better offer from someone else to, to take it, you know, I only have so much financial resources on my side. So I think we finally came back on a number that made sense for all of us based loosely on some of these things that we chatted about, and sort of some projections on my side for how much could we grow the business when things are hopefully yeah. more back to normal in 2021, or at least yeah. what other services could we offer to potentially increase the revenue, things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, services-based business, very hard because mostly for services-based business, especially if, I mean, if you're a, a boutique sort of outfit, you know, we're not talking mega brand here. We're talking people that have personal relationships with their customers and probably even like yourself, like, you know, your customers, they know you. And if all of a sudden, you know, Conrad's not in the game anymore, they're like, whoa, well, maybe I should put my chips with somebody else. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard to predict. And like you said, that multiple of three, it's tough with a service-based business, right? Yeah, I think uh, it is tough. I think the one thing that worked in my favor in this case is that there was this, you know, network of contractors that have been fulfilling a lot of the a lot of the copywriting. So yeah. it's it's a service business. It's a productized service in a way too, because you can just go on the website right now, hit a few buttons, register and um, purchase purchase a description for a flat fee. So it has that sort of element to it. And then person ultimately has to fulfill that work, a network of kind of these copywriters that Jess and Andy had assembled over years of running the business, five years, those kind of people were able to sort of agree to come along in a way. It's not that I was taking on salaries or anything like that. It was just, are you still interested in, you know, working on these projects when they, when they start coming back in again? And there was, you know, many of them were able to say yes. So I think that eased it compared to, like you said, where it's like they've had one point of contact. It's just that one person yeah. they're used to, which honestly, you know, is how my other, my main business build up bookings works. I certainly have that kind of uh, experience over there for sure. And now is this uh, for the service that they provide? You said, that, you know, they write the descriptions and, and, and copy for vacation rentals and, and the like. Now, is this something that is you, you just, you don't do this in your in your uh, primary business or you were using them and you were like, wow, I mean, this is a good fit because I'm, I'm actually paying them anyway. <laughs> so let me just bring them under the umbrella. How different is are the businesses or, or not? 
Yeah, to be honest, I always thought it would be like inappropriate for me to offer that service in a way. So I will say we've done it a handful of times over the years. But like Jess in particular, the co-founder of the company was so good at it that I would just almost send people over there. And I'm like, you know, we could do this. Obviously, we do a ton of content writing, you know, blog posts, long form informational pages, more from kind of the SEO perspective. But I think she has more of a creative streak in her, right? Where it's it's a little bit more of a flowery sort of language and copy in some cases to sell. You know, here's the here's the property, here's what it has to offer, and so yeah. on. I didn't think it was my place to offer that service too publicly. I mean, we did it every once in a while when a client asked for it, but often we would just refer them over. And then when this opportunity came to like get what I was always interested in, it was you know it was easy for me to say yes and, and start that process at least for sure. That's a huge lesson. I mean, even and I know you and I have had this discussion before, and it might be obvious to you and I, and maybe not to others, like when you're hyper-focused on your particular market in the SEO and marketing space, uh, which which is a pretty large, I mean, vacation rental and, you know, properties, those kinds of things. It's, it's a big market, right? I, I, maybe people hearing this is like, boy, it's a small market. Maybe I can <laughs> niche down on this. It's, it's still a pretty big market. And it's because of your efforts of only focusing on that. Uh, I mean, you're not going in and helping somebody rank a traditional, you know, e-commerce store that's selling widgets. Yeah. Yeah. These are the thing, these are like the... Rel- it's, it's 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 no real question here. It's more of just like broad brushstrokes. But these are the things that when you're thinking about building a business, hyper focused, um, and when you start to build relationships over time, like this is the the glue that can keep things going, which is you know a testament, obviously, to your focus, but and their focus as well. So I see this a lot. I've even been asked this before by different people, where it's like you know they say, oh, I'm I know a little bit about SEO, but I'm this broad generalist, like you said. I'm going to go and focus on. This is just an example I've heard before. And if someone out there is listening, doing this, I'm, I'm not attacking you. This is just what I've heard. They're like, <laughs> I'm going to go do dentist SEO. I'm going to become the best in the world at this. There's so many dentists across the entire country. My, my total addressable market of dentists that need customers is massive. And I can do SEO and I can just market them. And I see this you know, with other industries. I mean, this is just one example. And then they do nothing to actually understand the company or the, the business, the industry itself. Right. They just, oh, I'm going to register like dentistseoexpert.com and you know, <laughs> try to do this marketing to these dentists without really understanding anything about what it's like to run a dental practice or something like that. So I think that I'd, I would just caution people against hearing, oh, you know, I'm going to specialize in X, whatever X happens to be, whatever industry. If they don't really understand it, if they don't really want to like focus on it, like, would you be happy being on the phone six hours a day with dentists talking about SEO? If not, probably don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. What are you bringing to the table that's actually a unique point of view? Like, is there actually something about your process or your service that helps this particular industry in particular? So yeah, I mean, the, uh, the vacational industry, I think, is pretty large and it's growing and there's plenty of companies in this space, much larger and much uh, more successful than I am. So it proves that there's plenty of room to, to grow. But I think the whole specialist thing, I think people early on, they think it's it's like the Dunning-Kruger effect in a very real way. They think, oh, it's easy. I'm just going to do this SEO service for this particular industry. And then they get a few months in and realize, oh, wait, I actually have to like understand it and know yeah. how to market to these people, not just throw up a website or a landing page on a site that says, oh, I do you know SEO for this type of industry. So be careful yeah, of people the- falling in that trap. So what does it look like for you now to... Uh, well, actually, so uh, how long did the process take you you had the initial email did you go out and seek your own counsel and say hey i got this thing on the or an accountant and get this thing on the books like what do you think and how long did that whole process take yeah i would say the whole process probably took two months uh, there's really only two kind of i guess you know sort of questions on my side 
that dealt with other folks. So one was to the CPA, right? Here's what I'm planning on doing. How should I structure this? Should I take over their LLC or essentially acquire the assets and then dissolve it, which is what we ended up doing. And then the other was was to a lawyer. And the lawyer was someone local, just someone that I wanted to look at the contract and make sure there was no like obvious missteps in there. He pointed out several things about it was actually the specifics escaped me exactly what he ended up changing, but there's probably three or four clauses that he made some adjustments to on here's here's a way that this will be more positive for you in the long run or here's a way to phrase sure. this so that if there is some sort of conflict your your ability to recover damages and stuff like that are lost but i will say this honestly the fact that i was doing it with two people that i know liked and trusted probably made this a way smoother process than dealing with someone that's yeah i don't want to say like dishonest but dealing with someone that's trying to maximize their end and isn't really having sure. a relationship with you i would i would imagine that's a lot tougher path to go down. So I think in that yeah. way, I was I was lucky slash fortunate <laughs> to deal with someone that was very open, honest, sharing all the numbers, sharing everything, you know, being being candid with what's going to go on. And then, you know, the co-founder of the company kind of agreeing to stay on in a very small capacity for six months to smooth everything over and transition everything was the final piece that I think sealed the deal for, for me to get to get things done. So you made the tweet that I saw anyway on November 19th, which was mm-hmm. just a little week, a uh, week and a half ago-ish. Was that the, the two-month end date right there? Was that day, was it you you finalized it and you tweeted it out or? Yes, uh, you know, we actually had to work on a new site. So a new WordPress site, as you <laughs> imagine. So it actually happened probably two weeks before that. But it's, you know, how it cool. is you, to do a site, even a simple one, just a reskin takes at least two weeks even if yeah. you're trying to push hard and get things done. So yeah, it was probably around the start of November when ink was dry or digital ink was dry on documents and checks were checks were sent out right around that time frame. And what does the plan look like going into 2021? Or are you mm-hmm. already going to kickstart doing a, I don't know what I'll just call for the sake of uh, coming up with another word, like an upsell to your existing clients to say, hey, look, now we have these, these added services and you just send on your MailChimp list and <laughs> wait for the money to roll in and get that money back? Or what does that look like to, to introduce these services to existing clients and beyond? I guess that's what I'm interested in. That's another reason I was interested in the business. It's not necessarily, you know, if these were two concentric circles or circles, a Venn diagram, if you will, I don't think they would just overlay. I think there's a lot of our current customers that might be interested in this, but I think there's this whole other group that we haven't really, you know, worked with or serviced before. We're already seeing it, you know, with the orders that we've done so far that these types of people maybe never would have found us or never would have contacted us. They would have been interested in, you know, working with kind of an agency, if you will. They just need help. They need help with a specific service or a specific, you know, area of their business. It's like the inverse, right? It's like that customer set of guest hook might be interested in your you know, deeper services or more broad services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I see overlap both ways, right? So I see some okay. people that we're already working with that might need this. And then I see some people who stumble their way into the guest hook site. They rank for very different sort of topics. They, they've been known for a very different service over the years that might end up finding us. But really, I see them as separate brands. So, you know, there was even a thought process early on. Should I just like 301 the guest hook site, create pages on, you know, the build up booking site and just offer the same service, but rename it? And then I started doing research into how many like mentions and if we want to get sort of SEO nerdy for a second, like how many links the guest hook site had that mentioned their name and their brand specifically. I came off that idea pretty early on and I was like, no, this is its own thing. I'm going to run it like its own thing, at least for now that that could change in the future. If you're listening to this far in the future, I could change my mind. But certainly like for, like you said, for 2021, that's the plan is to run it separately. And if there's overlap, then I see a way to upsell, but I also see it as just its own unique offering that could stand on its own and have its ability to drive customers and drive revenue all all on its own. Did you have uh, or do you have employees or contractors in 
the main business? Yeah, yeah. So I have three full time people now. That's probably a shift from oh, when wow. we last chatted. Uh, last yeah, chatted, yeah. and then we congratulations have, like, and not congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, you, yeah, I'm sure you know that feeling. That's been. Yeah. My timing on one or two of those was probably bad, given that it was t- sort of towards towards the start of 2020 and things went into lockdown. But uh, shout out to the federal government for the PPP loans, I suppose, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a political statement, just something that helped me. So I'll, yeah, yeah I'll you're going to asterisk everything. Yeah, yeah, I'll just give thanks words to you on that one. But uh, yeah, so there was there was no full time people coming over from the guest hook side. Like I said, just sort of a a sort of collection of these freelancers. But uh, yeah, the full-time people that I have have already started doing some of these tasks on the guest hook side. So there's a little bit of overlap. And to be honest, I'm still working through the best way to, you know, manage that. Do I have different emails for everybody? You know, do how separate do we want these brands to be? Is it just front of the website and then we shift things later on? I'm still working through that. So I don't know if I have a great answer there, but definitely some manpower slash woman power behind the scenes to get things done for sure. Do you feel any kind of pressure? You ex- even though they are, you know, maybe contractors. I mean, you still have to get to know them. They have to mm-hmm. get to your, I guess, work style or work ethic. Do you feel, you know, you're you're sort of doubling or maybe tripling that sort of responsibility of other humans to continue work, to continue the brand, to get mm-hmm. them business so that they can, you know, get a paycheck, etc. Did you ever feel that? Did you ever feel like, boy, I don't, I don't think I want to take this on because of that pressure? I think I was aided significantly by the fact that things had slowed down so much before the acquisition, you know, that, you know, a lot of these freelancers understood like, hi, the travel industry is in upheaval right now. That's why we haven't sent you any projects in a few months, you know, but you know, yeah. here I am coming back in to see if I can, you know, you know, bring, bring you this sort of thing, you know, again, give you this sort of projects to work on again. And many of them were actually thrilled slashed excited. And were you know, eager to email me, you know, I just sent them all essentially a Calendly link. And I was like, Hey, if you're interested in, kind of continuing your work with guest hook, you know, here's the background. I purchased it from, you know, from the co-founders. If you're still interested, cool, you know, let's chat and see if you're still, you know, you're a good fit for what we're trying to do moving forward. And then some people were like, no, I found other positions. One of them had taken a full-time position and didn't want to freelance anymore. That's perfectly fine. You know, we can't expect everyone to come over, but I do, you know, I do some of the ones that we've been working with so far have been phenomenal. They've done such great work. And I think that that speaks to, to like what I acquired. I acquired sort of like websites and traffic. I acquired a customer list, but I also did acquire these people that know this kind of service offering pretty well, and they were doing a great job at it. So I do want to give them more orders. And that's what I'm focused on through the start of next year is like, how can I get to a certain number? I do have some targets. Let's get to this many per month, per week. So that those people, you know, have things to work on. But luckily, they do have other projects to where it's not their main source of, you know, income coming in. So I did think that does give me a little less anxiety than if it was like, oh, I was getting all my income from this one thing. And then you bought it. You basically have to keep me on or you're being, you know, you're being unfair to me. So I haven't, I haven't felt sure. that, that way. From a business owner's perspective, do you feel like this is your, I don't want to say chance, because since the last time we talked, you've had three uh, full-time positions come on board, but... Is this a, a path forward for you? At least you look at it. I know it's early days as that next step to detach yourself from, you know, doing the work and working in the business and going to work mm-hmm. on the business and maybe leveling somebody up from the from the guest hook side to just maybe run and manage guest hook while you focus on on growing. Is 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 there another acquisition on the horizon if it comes your way? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, we'll see how this one goes. And maybe I make my money back before I decide to uh, plunge more of, it, more of it into something like <laughs> yeah. this. But to your first yeah. question, I had a moment uh, early on, actually, when the old site was still up and no one had really been told what was going on that made me think that was that was possible. So you can actually, it's, it's switched now to a different solution. But previously, going back to our WordPress kind of 
uh, thread here. The site was on WordPress, and you could actually just use Gravity Forms to purchase a description. There was a, you know, there's a Stripe uh, integration with Gravity Forms. I'm, I'm sure you've used it before. People listening have used it before. And you could just go on the site, uh, the old site, guesthook.com, click two buttons, and just put in your credit card and enter the information, right? They, uh, they made it very simple to do that. And I think it was like the third day after kind of things have been moved over to me. And it was actually the day before I stayed up till 12 a.m. moving over all the Stripe keys and doing that and saying, just in case an order comes in, let me move all this over so the money goes to the right account. My account, right? And I the next day I woke up and there was like a text from Stripe or a notification on my phone, like someone ordered two descriptions. And I was like, I was like an oh shit type moment, right? Where I was <laughs> what like, do I do now? <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, yes, we have to get the work done. Luckily, I'd been intro, intro to one, you know, contractor already, and she was open and available to do the work. So that wasn't a problem. But it was like, it was that moment that you just mentioned of, wow, I didn't really do anything. I didn't, I wasn't sitting there talking to the client. I wasn't, I didn't have to send a proposal. I didn't have to go through all this work. I didn't yeah. have to prospect this person. I didn't cold email them. I didn't reach out on LinkedIn like I do for, to be honest, a lot of the other stuff that I do on build up and money came in and then that assignment was given to the writer. She did a phenomenal job on it. And then the writer, less than what I got paid, obviously there was margin in there. And then the client, the customer was super happy um, with the order and everything was pretty seamless. I was involved in the process for sure, but my time, you know, investment in that process was so low that I had that moment, to be honest, of what you just mentioned of, I don't really need to be the person that's running that side of things because yeah. it is the system that's somewhat, you know, productized. Certainly for these smaller orders can be done with a lot of software tools and things that are running on WordPress. Some things are not like SPP that are making it just where I don't have to be involved in it anymore, but it's a business that can run without me. So that was a light bulb moment um, for me because it gave me a first like little taste of what that might look like in the future. So, yeah. Nice, man. Congratulations. It's a great, it's a great feeling once you start getting into that space and really starts to open up. Like we were just talking about before with clients, you know, you don't really know a space until you're, you know, knee deep in it. And now, Mm -hmm. You know, you get that little shot of adrenaline with money just came in and you're like, oh boy, what else can I do with this? <laughs> you know, How else can I get money in while I'm sleeping, right? And then that yeah. whole thing starts coming up and you're like, ah, this is why people get so jaded in the passive income space because <laughs> right? Right. it feels right. so easy, but there's such a long road to get to that point. Yeah. Ignoring the ignoring the significant amount of money it took to acquire the asset. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was funny. I was like more excited than about the $400 that I made that day than the 4000 that we built that week. <laughs> But yeah, like, right. Yeah, but it was one of those it situations is. where it, it has that feeling. I get it. I get why uh, people get, I don't want to say addicted. <laughs> That's a harsh word yeah, yeah. over discussing here. Yeah. But I see why I see the allure of these sorts of things. Once I got to really, you know, live it and be like, oh, wow, I made money without really having to, you know, I wouldn't want to say passive. I was certainly involved, but certainly the effort yeah. slash time was much lower than what I'm used to. No doubt. His name's Conrad O'Connell. You can check out his new business at guesthook.com. Conrad, thanks for doing the show today. It's always great to catch up and excited for uh, everything you have going on and wishing you the best of luck. Where can folks find you to say thanks? Yeah, yeah. So social media is a decent place where I spend too much time. Twitter probably being the top. So <laughs> at Conrad O'Connell on Twitter. And then, yeah, if uh, the incredibly small chance of someone listening to this has a vacation rental, they need a description, uh, please go to guestlook.com. You can go to the pr- listing description page and order from there. And then our main agency is buildupbookings.com. So you can check us out in all those places. But if you want to talk to me, uh, Twitter's the way to go. And go Pats, by the way, Matt. That's right. Yeah, well, that's a whole other episode that we probably would never record and publish because this year is abysmal. Oh, uh, Mar- yeah, <laughs> MattReport.com, MattReport.com slash subscribe. Join that mailing list. Leave us a five star review in iTunes. Thanks for listening.